It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. So a very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's the 23rd of June 2022. I should say sweltering June 2022. Uh, The weather is hot again. It um, has dipped a tiny bit. Uncomfortable, yes. Um, That's the weather put to one side as we obviously go to a very uh, sad event yesterday because uh, this um, this morning I'll welcome Rob first and then we'll make a tribute to a colleague of ours. So, Rob, a very good day. Welcome to you. How are you down there in Playa San Juan? Is it sweltering Playa San Juan? Good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Yes, it's extremely hot today. Um, but yes, we've got more important matters to talk about, haven't we, really, than uh, the weather, because we know it's going to be hot for the next three months at least. Yeah. And what we can do to start off with is we'll talk about our life in Spain a little bit, because uh, we both come from the United Kingdom. Rob comes from Bridlington. He'll tell you about that. I come from Wirral and uh, Liverpool area. And obviously, uh, then I went to live in Cornwall. Then we came on this um, journey which brought me out to Spain and eventually um, I started working for a big radio company, Um, although I didn't come out really with that in mind. I came out to sing rock and roll and uh, the radio came into my life and after I'd been doing the radio show for a couple of weeks, um, I was handed a piece of tape. In actual fact, it was a mini disc at that time. And asked to just play it. So I put them in a disc in and uh, it was the voice of our colleague who died yesterday, Eric Malpas. And Eric was reading the results of the fantasy football league that he ran for Alfaz Del P, the Costa Blanca and the people who came and visited friends and relatives for the whole of the Costa Blanca. So that was my introduction to Eric as a voice And as a broadcaster, my first thoughts were it's not that far to go to Alfast LP. I'll give Eric a ring and we'll find out uh, whether or not he's okay for coming into the studio and we'll pick it up from there. Eric came down to the studio as a very uh, broad mank, uh, a big Manchester City fan. And he started contributing uh, to my programmes on Under Thurdo International, which is part of a, or it was part of a major broadcaster, which still exists here to this day. Um, They had two stations for the international community. One was in Altea on the Costa Blanca, which was the one that we worked from. And then there was the one down in Marbella on the Costa del Sol. And we linked up. Uh, during my programmes by the flick of a switch and we'd join with people on the Costa del Sol. So we actually had about a six-hour driving area that we were covering. So it was right heavy stuff. Anyway, um, from the Alphaz Fantasy Football League, we started developing ideas like uh, we'd start off talking about football in a general sense 
And then I decided to start looking at um, maybe extending this to panels. We had various people that came in. Sadly, some of those have uh, also died, um, which over a period of 20 years is always going to happen anyway. Um, but, you know, I do like to remember my colleagues past and present. I think that is very, very important. With Eric, um, Eric and I, we put on special uh, evenings in the likes of the uh, Villa Hoyosa Casino, uh, as was, that's finished now, and the Marina Hotel in Benidorm. And we had such speakers as uh, Manchester United boss Wilf McGuinness. Um, we had Paddy Crerand, who, of course, was a wonderful player for Celtic and Northern Ireland. Uh, we had Mike Summerby came into the studio, Norman Whitehead. Um, then we had Eric Bristow and uh, Dennis the Menace Priestley. We had Football League referees. We had managers of um, fanzines. We had all sorts going on. And um, most of it was down to contacts. I had maybe an idea and I put it to Eric. Eric would have a contact and the next thing is we'd have somebody coming in. But of course, um, I mustn't undersell Eric because Eric was almost a living legend in his own life. Because um, when he was on my programme and we were talking and the banter was going, uh, we got a call in from a bar called El Faro in Calpe. And um, we were asked, would we go over and meet the people who used to listen to the programme? So we built this idea that there was like a Wimbledon stand and everybody was up on these um, sh sort of seating, all contributing by phoning into our show. You know, we'd have questions and the public would answer in. Uh, so we went over and um, it was Basically, a lot of people already knew Eric because he ran not only the uh, football, the fantasy football, but he had a darts and a pools involvement. And virtually anywhere that you looked, uh, Eric was involved with football, with darts and with pool. And he was just a well-known figure. In the years after the radio finished, um, he wouldn't, at the earliest days, um, he, he wasn't able to get me, um, or wasn't e easy for me to get him involved in joining the podcast, because the technology was not that difficult, but for somebody of Eric's age, it was difficult. And sadly, it took him a long, long time before I was able to say, Eric, are you ready to do this podcast yet? And then about a year and a half ago, Eric came back and um, we started doing the podcast together. Prior to that, by the way, and after the demise of the radio station, which was closed down during the, um, the recession of 2008-2009, he came across to join me on my programmes at uh, Hits FM when I joined them, um, when I spent some of my redundancy pay to get involved with a Spanish radio station so that I hopefully would have been improving my Spanish um, and he came in to join me on that he came into Big FM um, where we worked and also of course Cool FM where I had a uh, Sunday and a Saturday show uh, for quite a few years but um, sadly a couple of weeks ago I went to phone him on the Tuesday podcast I could tell by his voice that he had a problem and the next day um, I phoned, uh, sorry, a friend, Chris Bentley, phoned me to tell me 
that Eric had been taken into hospital. He'd sort of um, gone downhill quite quickly after that. And I'm very glad that he didn't suffer too much because obviously um, that was the priority and everything else was peripheral. So uh, that's my tribute to a lively, very witty, Mancunian, Man City fan right to the death. Um, and one of these guys where when I sat back and listened often to the podcast or the broadcast, there'd always be a little aside that Eric had made that I'd missed because I was busy maybe preparing something. So there we are. That was a little bit of a, um, a tribute to a very, very good friend, lovely man, and he will be missed by many here on the Costa Blanca. And I'm sure that you'd like to say a few words as well, Rob. Oh, uh, I would, Vince, definitely. Um, I'd already heard, when, when I started working for OCI, as you know, I started working on the commercial side. And um, I already listened to you and Eric and the sports panel. And when you invited me, when we started talking about football, because you were preparing your programmes while I was waiting for to go in and see the, uh, the boss, um, the first time that I actually went into the studio... It wasn't the first time I'd actually been interviewed, but it was the first time I'd been on a live broadcast um, with people ringing in. And Eric was sitting in there, and also I think the late Peter Williams was in there at the same time. And Eric said to me, you all right, lad? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, nice to meet you, Eric. He goes, you're from North, are you? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm from Yorkshire. And then he had a bit of a banter. And he said, but then he said to me, he said, don't worry about it. He said, try not to swear, and if you do, just cover cover over it. And um, if you make a mistake or you um, lo- lose your train of thought, nobody's listening anyway. And and I said, I fell into the trap. I said, well, nobody's listening anyway. And he, and he, he got one of these smirks out and he started <laughs> chuckling. He goes, don't worry about it. They can't see us. Um, and... It was just he just made me feel really welcome and really comfortable, as did Peter actually, and and, and as did you of course. But um, yeah, I, I, I ran into Eric um, after we'd been at the studio one day. We were both filling up in a in a petrol station, um, and he says, "Rob, you fancy something to eat?" And it was lunchtime, so I said, "Yeah, brilliant, Eric." And he took me to um, a place in Alfastel, Pete, where everybody knew him. Um, and it was, and he paid for the meal as well. It wasn't an expensive meal, but he paid for the meal. But he wasn't giving it a large. He was a really down-to-earth bloke. Um, and we, I really, really enjoyed it. Then he showed me around a bit about where he lived and people he knew and things like that. And he was basically a living legend, wasn't he? Went round in that part of Spain where he lived. Uh, Another time, I had some friends who lived in Albia, which is, for people who don't know, it's the coastal part of Alfastel P. I had some friends from Bridlington who were living there. And we were walking down the street one day, and Eric was walking up the street towards us. And uh, as I said to him, I said, I know this fella here. And they knew him. I said, yeah, that's Eric, isn't it? Um, Because... He, he knew everybody. Everybody knew him. Well respected. It's a real shame that he's gone. Um, but he did have a, a really fantastic life, didn't he? Um, so let's hope um, he's up there with 
Um, well, let, let, let's hope he's resting in peace. And um, it's very sad to see him go, but at the same time, he had a really brilliant life, I would say, wouldn't you? I would. And for those that uh, maybe never heard the podcast, you can still find lots about Eric uh, from his programmes with me uh, on my website. Uh, just put in Eric Malpas in the search engine. And uh, this was the jingle we used to always use. It's Talking Football with... The Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Okay, so um, we have to be professional, move on, and obviously mm. Eric will never be forgotten. He's always part of my team. Um, yeah, team. And, I, and I think I think that Eric would um, appreciate also the fact that we'll continue, wouldn't we? Yes, we will. Uh, I don't know how we'll find uh, what we'll do yet, but um, we will continue. And, um, you know, Eric, rest in peace. And we go straight to a breaking news story now. And uh, you've pointed out something to me, which I'll, you'll tell the listeners in a second. Uh, first, eight medical personnel are to stand trial accused of criminal negligence in the death of legendary Argentinian football Diego Maradona. A judge has ordered a culpable homicide trial after a medical panel found Maradona's treatment was rife with, and it's quoting, deficiencies and irregularities. He died in November of 2020 in a heart attack, a heart attack in Buenos Aires, aged 60, and he'd been recovering at home from surgery on a brain blood clot earlier that month. A few days after his death, Argentine prosecutors launched an investigation into the doctors and nurses involved in his care. And last year, the panel of 20 experts appointed to examine his death found Maradona's medical team acted in inappropriate, deficient and reckless manner, concluded that the footballer would have had a better chance of survival with adequate treatment in an appropriate medical facility, according to the court ruling. Among those facing charges are Maradona's neurosurgeon and personal doctor, Leopoldo uh, Luque, a psychiatrist and psychologist, two doctors, two nurses and their boss. They have all denied responsibility for his death. Um, now, this is... Um, a crime that can hold a sentence of between 8 and 25 years in prison, according to the Argentinian Penal Code. So, what do you make of it? And tell us about the uh, the coincidence of today's date. Right, well, actually, the coincidence was of yesterday's date, Vince. Yeah, that's okay. Um, unfortunately, the date of um, Eric's passing. But yesterday, it was 36 years um, since the infamous uh, Hand of God goal um, against England in the World Cup, um, which Maradona scored. And, but then after that, a couple of minutes later, when the England team were all shocked, um, he went and dribbled around seven players and got what is arguably one of the best goals in world football ever. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. He probably wouldn't have scored that if the England team weren't in shock um, from what just happened because it was an obvious handball. And he never admitted it until the day he died. He started um, 
sort of admitting it, um, but he put he put it down to the hand of God. But yes, what actually happened to him? Um, as we know, he had a lot of problems with um, alcohol and drug abuse um, throughout his life, as a lot of ex-players do. Um, but when he actually died, he had had brain surgery for a, um, a blood clot on his brain, which they had removed and he was supposed to be getting better. But then he died and the medical people who were all supposed to be looking after him that denied all kind of um, denied any kind of negligence. Now, they, they launched an investigation in Argentina two days after his death, um, which was in 2020, and eventually they've got enough evidence, or so they think, to charge this medical team, including this Dr. Luque, who um, basically washed his hands of the whole matter, but he was supposed to be in charge of uh, Maradona's care, and his daughters are the ones who were leading this uh, campaign, because they've lost their dad, let's face it. And at the moment, the, there is a trial about to begin in Argentina where the medical staff who were involved in his intensive care treatment um, were negligent. And Marad, uh, Diego Maradona possibly died unnecessarily. Um, it, it, it's quite a tragic situation, really, because if he'd have died of a heart attack just like that, you'd think, well, it's Diego Maradona. Um, yeah, he, he lived the life. But it, it appears it might have been down to medical negligence. Now, it's it's far too early for us to make any kind of verdict. It's an ongoing situation. Um, but it is quite a serious situation, especially in Argentina, where he's considered to be is an icon. is um, a footballing icon throughout the world, apart from England, probably. But um, if he went because of medical negligence, then the people who are possibly responsible are going to be uh, yeah, facing charges. As you mentioned, they're, they're, they are possibly facing very long prison sentences. So, um, well, well, the way it's all because... written up, it looks like some sort of complicity. Um, you know, by all means, people will make mistakes. By all means, there will be things that happen, which uh, obviously everybody hopes will not happen. But it does seem rather strange that they're resurrecting this after so many years. You know, they you, you wouldn't really expect anything like this to be happening. But, you know, uh, where there's a, a bit of money to be made and, um, you know, I should imagine somewhere something to do with money will come into this. I find it time and time again. I don't know whether or not you found anything so far. Um, but, um, you know, what is the idea? Is the idea to try and, um, you know, find these people um, guilty and then get money from them? Um, I don't know, because quite honestly, you know, sometimes it's almost as if people can't rest in peace. Well, it's Argentina, Vince, and it's a completely different culture to ours. And I don't know if you've had, been unlucky enough to see any of their soap operas, but it is that that is the kind of thing that that they seem to do at that kind of level in Argentina. Um, the daughters have lost their father, um, but at the same time, 
they are going to be looking for big compensation payouts as well. Um, mm. How it will pan out, we'll just have to wait and see. And it'll probably take ages, to be honest, because there are, there are 20 medical experts um, it, it, well, who were involved in examining the causes of his death. And they're all going to have to put their um, reasonings, medical reasonings forward in the court. We don't know which ones of them are going to say that it was um, the fault of the um, the medical team that were in charge of him, or or ones who accuse them of a bit of um, being uh, culpable of his death. I mean, is this? But it's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very tragic situation all round. And I imagine um, in Argentina, it's probably on the news every single day. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. But um, I hope the hope that he did die of natural causes. I hope that there wasn't any medical negligence because then you could get into things. Did they let him die because of who he was and and all this kind of business? I, I hope they find, I hope that they find that it was natural causes after his brain operation. Okay. But it, it, it doesn't look like that. That's why, take, that's why they're taking it to court. Okay, change of tack. Yes. Okay, so Rob's going to tell us about a big tournament where England kick off against Austria on July the 6th, which is not that far away. It's at Old Trafford, and uh, the tournament ends with a final at Wembley on the 31st of July. So, Rob, what am I talking about, please? Right, well, you're talking about, Vince, this is the uh, Women's Euro um, England 2022 which is the, um, the the female version of the Euros, and it's been played in England, and it kicks off um, the first match. England played the first match, actually. Um, I can't remember who they play at the moment, but I, was, um, I think they play Austria. Austria. Yeah, Austria, yes, July the 6th. It, yeah, July the 6th is the first match, England against Austria. Um, there are 16 teams involved. In our group, Group A, we've got Austria, England, Northern Ireland and Norway. Northern Ireland is the first time they've ever qualified. Group B, Denmark, Finland, Germany and Spain, um, who have actually been there before. Group C, Netherlands, Portugal, Sweden and Switzerland. Group D, Belgium, France, Iceland and Italy. Let's get the, and, let's get the terminology right here. When you say us or our... Um, are we talking about Spain or are we talking about England? You can't have a foot in both camps, or can we? Um, yes, we, we, we can. We can, Vince. We can. We, of course we can, Vince. But um, when I talk about our, um, I generally talk about England because that is the country of my birth. And um, obviously in, in England-Spain match, I, I, I always go for England. Um, Do you? Ooh. Okay. Well, yeah, and, and unfortunately, all the locals understand that, and uh, and well, yeah, and. Tengo que Pedro Sanchez. I've got to speak with Mr. Sanchez about this. <laughs> oh yeah, he's. <laughs> I don't think he supports Spain particularly either. I don't think 
<laughs> do you know which but, of the uh, Do you know which of the teams has won from uh, the European the most times? Do you know which team that is? I've got it just down here, actually. Germany. Before you look, of course it is Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, England, England, have been, England have been runners up twice. Yeah, but they've never won it yet, have they? They've never won it, no. In 1984 mm. and 2009, the first winners in 1984 was Sweden. Then Norway won it, and then West Germany, two on the bounce, Norway in the middle, and then Germany, um, as they're now called, got one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. Um, we, we've been in two finals and lost them. But um, it's actually been played in England... Well, the um, venues um, the venues are quite interesting because we've got Brighton and Hove, where obviously they host Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, London um, is the Brentford Community Stadium, and that's only for yeah. the final. They go to the Manchester City Academy Stadium, so they're not let, letting the ladies in on the best pitch yet. Milton Keynes, the stadium there. Rotherham, uh, the New York Stadium. Sheffield, Bramall Lane, not too far from where the uh, new American Open guy has done us proud. Uh, Patrick Fitzgerald or something like that, I think his name was. Um, and then Southampton. Yes, Sheffield, I Yeah, Southampton, St. Mary's Stadium. Old Trafford, opening game only, and then Wigan and Lee at the Lee Sports Village. Now, the reason why I'm saying this, and uh, I'll just uh, give you another quick aside, another strange one this morning, in the uh, swimming, there was the ladies synchronised swimming, and apparently one of the, um, I think it was the American team, um, fainted while she was in the pool, and uh, none of the lifeguards spotted it, and uh, the trainer or one of the coaches jumped in. So um, that's something that I just passed quickly because I spotted it on the way into looking at all this stuff. Um, look, I'm going to move this just a little bit further and, and uh, blow your mind because I'm going to change tack a little bit, and I know you like me doing this, because yeah. I think <laughs> that we need to look at the transgender issues, which unfortunately... Um, are impinging on the ladies' game. Now, obviously, the transgender... I think you could have any transgender guy you like because, you know, if he's a transgender guy or lady... I don't know what's the correct terminology. But, I mean, if somebody wants to, um, you know, go in and play with the big boys, they're likely to get a big tackle. And I would imagine uh, to see whether they're up to the job. Whereas with the ladies... I think there's a little bit of an assault going on against uh, ladies' football and ladies' other games. And I think this is part of the Great Reset. I know it sounds absolutely, you know, up in the clouds and probably uh, I'm miles away, but it is rather strange. I keep going back to my basic premise. If you want to defeat capitalism, and don't forget, there's a lot of money involved in football. So if you want to defeat capitalism, in the Communist Party manifesto, it says, destroy the family. Well, OK, um, they've got us all wondering now what's a boy, what's a girl, what's a transgender doing this way, that way. The, you know, there's all sorts going on. But the big thing is the ladies have fought for so long to get some sort of parity with the men. Um, I doubt if they will get a parity with the men, but they have got 
a lot of um, things that are affecting the ladies' game. I can hear a rumbling in the background, by the way. This this isn't from my end. Um, no, sorry, Vince. That's my uh, telephone going uh, in my office going off. Okay. Um, not much I can do about it. Okay. <laughs> Just let it ring off. Um, I mean, the thing is, this transgender bit will affect the women more than the men because uh, they're saying that if a uh, a man is going to, um, you know, claim to be able to play in the ladies' sports, then obviously um, they're looking at uh, the puberty and whether or not they're changing after uh, being uh, pubescent. So... This is an issue which is likely to affect the ladies more than the gentlemen. Um, let's get your thoughts on that one, please. Right. Well, this is a current issue, isn't it, Vince? Um, not just in football. Well, in football, I think it's less of an issue, but in many other sports, especially individual sports. Um, just the other day, they're having the uh, World Swimming Championships being held in uh, um, Hungary at the moment, and all of the um, member states that are that are a part of the um, national swim, by the way, it's called the Swim Association of the World. Can't remember its name off the top of my head. Nifra, Fina, Fina, Fina. That's it. Yeah, F I N A. I don't know what it stands for, but it's it's the, it's the world body of. Um, I think swimming. it's females in national associations. I think something like that. Yeah, it might well be. Um, but they had um, a vote on this the other day to see uh, whether or not they would allow people who have, cha- who have changed gender to be able to compete against people who are in their original gen- gender. Um, and fortunately, I think, for common sense, they voted that um, a person who transforms from being a man into a woman to be able to compete has to do so before the age of 12 before the age of puberty um because otherwise they have the advantage of being born masculine and there have been swimmers there's a couple um recently just in the recent past which i think why has this come up um that have basically just decided that they'd, they'd Mediocre male swimmers, they're good swimmers, let's face it, they're world-class swimmers, but they're not going to win anything, um, decided to identify as women and therefore um, started swimming in women's uh, events. And it isn't fair. Um, Sharon Davis, the uh, well-known swimmer, uh, UK swimmer, who is very, very um, broad-shouldered and really, really strong. And very feminine as well, isn't she? Oh yeah, she, yeah, she's a, she, she's she's a proper woman, Vince. She, yeah, um, but she, yeah, she, but she's very very strong and very very um, dedicated when she was a swimmer, and she still is in what she does now. She was very vocal um, against this because it gives the um, transgender male to female um, people an unfair advantage because if they have gone through male puberty and developed all of the muscles and and everything else that you do, then decide to become a woman. It, it, it basically puts them at an unfair advantage. And I, I can agree with that totally. I mean, um, what I can see in the future 
is if there's any money in it, obviously. An open um, an open category, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like um, males, females, and anybody oh, and else. And whatever. Kind of uh, I yeah, don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was an article which I was discussing with Anne um, on, on another podcast uh, regarding transgender athletes uh, that could be banned from track and field next. This is uh, the FINA president, of course, that great Olympian, Sebastian Coe. I don't really call him Lord Coe because I don't go down that road. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can put titles to whatever you want. But, I mean, looking at his credentials as a great athlete, um, he actually uh, is talking about the FINA ro- ruling in the best interest of sport because biology trumps gender. And I think, you see, that we're getting to an area where uh, you've got to be very careful because, yes, anybody of any nice disposition is going to want fairness, equanimity and people to have a fair opportunity. But if you're suddenly halfway through your life deciding you want to become a female and then you're going to start going in uh, the cycling or the, uh, or the swimming, which we've seen, um, you know, it's not going to stop. I even see Rugby League is involved in it now. Um, you know, by all means, uh, we've had the gay issue for a long time. Uh, this is like taking another step down the road to see how confused we can all get. I mean, it's certainly confused.com for most people um, because we don't live in those circles. We're not talking about a massive, massive number of people. If you want to make it worldwide, then if you want to talk about people with pimples on the left buttock, then obviously you can create a great number and all discuss it. But it, it really isn't. A massive number when you look at, you know, the greater number of what we know as normality. I think we're mm. we're wandering off into all sorts of uh, realms of fantasy. And um, I do have sympathy for anybody that suffers because of these issues. But you do have to go with a policy that creates goodness for most people, I would think. Oh, in, indeed, Vince. It's it's. Going into the realms of madness, really, isn't it? Um, what what is going on at the moment? Um, if people want to feel different to how they were born, I've got no problem with that particularly, as long as it doesn't as long as it doesn't affect the rest of us. But when it's in the field of sport, um, a lot of them do try uh, have been trying to use it to their advantage. It isn't because they actually identify as women. Um, I wouldn't say it's just because they they know that they're more likely to be able to win against women just because of physical differences. I mean, look at the case. Uh, I don't know if you remember the um, she was called Casta Sem- Semenaya. Um, yeah, the, the athlete, South Africa. Yeah, yeah, South African athlete who, by chance, because this is like a one in a million or possibly even more one in a million chance, she was born um, without. A proper, with well, as a hermaphrodite, I think they uh, used to call them. I don't know if that's the correct word to use them today. But she had female genitals, but she also had male genitals inside her, um, and she 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 won medals um, at the Olympics. 
And they had to take it to um, tribunals to see whether or not this was actually a, a woman or a man. Now, she'd always um, lived as a woman because that was the gender that she was assigned at birth and she always thought she was a woman. But then it, it, it really, um, I won't say destroyed her life, but when, when this came into question, she happened to be born like that. It wasn't a matter of choice. And they're talking now about um, in football that the men who want to change to be women, they have to do a two-year course of some kind of um, steroid drugs or something which brings their testosterone level down to the level of of a normal woman. Now, to me, Vince, that is mind-blowing. I I really can't um, get my head head around it. Um, But they will, somewhere along the line, they're going to have to do Male, male sports, women's sports, or even mixed sports. I wouldn't. I don't mind seeing mixed sports. For example, things like volleyball, where you yeah. could probably have a, a mixed team, and and it. Well, I think they really have mixed mixed, mixed ho- hockey. They have, and they they have yes, yeah. mixed a- mixed athletes r- running. Um, you know, male then a female and whatever in relays. Look, when we say yeah. uh, it's just about sports, it isn't. It's about everything. If you go uh, to a toilet and you're paying a visit and you find a load of women in your toilet, um, you immediately would come out, wouldn't you? Oh, I've gone in the wrong room. Uh, You'd feel a little bit embarrassed uh, if you went in and there was one woman or one man goes in the ladies. You know, we are sort of uh, programmed to know that we shouldn't be um, imposing ourselves in other people's spaces. I think, you see, that there is more to this. And I think that football and sport is once again being used. Of course it is. Don't forget, there's a big reset. I'm not... Look, we've, we've, we've had the lockdown. We've now... Then we've had the COVID, you know, different strains. Then we've got the monkeypox. And then they're talking about polio now. You know, it goes on and on and on. And basically, it's part of this great reset. You know, as well as I do, um, that, you know, they could stop people coming in on boats, for example. Um, at a stroke, they could stop it if they really wanted to, but they don't. So for some reason, uh, I then link up the fact that all the adverts in the UK have suddenly involved black people, which I've got lovely black people friends. And so I'm not being a, a, a racially prejudiced. I'm just looking at the facts in front of me you know um maybe the whole point was that we were all too white too male too caucasian whatever it is there is something happening Uh, listen we better go on because if we're not careful this could become the last thing we talk about so uh, can i just mention vince if anybody's interesting interested in the fa policy on trans people in football if you put that into google or something like that they publish a seven page document which is extremely tedious, to be honest, which is why there's no point talking about it now. But anybody who would be interested in finding out exactly what the FA's stance on this is, um, it's available for public view. OK, well, let's move on. Yep. OK, so the 2022 Premier League fixtures have been released. And the new season will soon be upon us. Arsenal kick off the campaign on a Friday night. 
with a trip to Crystal Palace and of course that is August the 5th. We also know that there's going to be a winter break because we're going to try and see how many people we can affect with heat in a World Cup in Qatar. But let's look at some of these um, changes that are happening in football in the coming year. There's a couple of eh, relatively minor changes, but they are changes. So what have you found for us, Rob? Right, well, um, for next season in the Premier League and the um, EFL, which is the English Football League, meaning the other divisions as well, they have actually made um, six changes, some of which are absolutely ridiculous, which um, obviously oversights from things that nobody had thought about in the past. But they are going to have a winter break. Now, the winter break is, of course, because of this Qatar World Cup. Um, so we didn't really have much choice about that. Um, although people have been um, talking about it for years, like um, other countries, Germany, for example, have a winter break when it gets too cold and things like that. But now we've got um, five substitutes is now the law. Okay, it will be official. Um, before you run around three substitutes, but uh, now they will be allowed five, but they have to be done in three um, windows per team, which means if they're going to ch make changes, they've either got to do them at half time, which they can change as many as they want, or during the match, they can only change one or two at the same time. They can't make five different changes throughout the match. Now, this is one that got me, if you can believe this the official top coin toss. Yes. Yeah, that's this is that's a madness. Well, we've seen Why enough. Nobody ever thought about that. We've before. seen enough tossers over the years, so we may as well have another one. Yeah, but there was nothing in the rules that said that the referee had to toss the toss the coin to start the game. There had to be a time cost, but in theory, it could have been anybody. Um, it just had to be the referee who overlooked it. Now they've missed an opportunity. They've, they've made this a rule now, so the refs have got to do it. But they missed an opportunity there because local kids. Um, especially local kids with disabilities and things who always get taken to matches because that's what fo football is, decent, basic decent people, isn't it, at the end of the day? The, you they could have had a local kid to go out and toss the coin, but now it's got to be the referee, um, which I thought, I always thought it always had to be the referee, but apparently not. Well, listen, now, we've, we've got to the stage, Rob, where, you know, people have to write... Every last uh, comma uh, in in plain common sense. Um, there's a story I covered uh, this week with Neil, and it's about a 65-year-old guy going to give blood, and he's given blood for donkey's years, and um, he's confronted with a form which asks him whether he's pregnant. So he refuses to comment. He refuses to answer the comment. So they say, well, we can't take blood from you till you give us that answer on the form. So it's just got stupid. Um, and, what it's else? The, and it's their loss, isn't it? If this guy has been giving blood for years and wanted to give blood again, it's the blood transfusion people's loss, isn't it? Of at course the end of it the is. Day? What they're trying to do, make people afraid of going to give blood. Yeah. Well, you know, look, um, <laughs> I see team officials can get sent off as well. So what's that change? Right now, um, this is about penalty shootouts. And now the team officials, um, the man well, the managers, the coaches, 
anybody involved in a certain team in a penalty shootout can be sent off. Um, if they, um, well, basically, if they're too leery, I suppose, if they, um, if they deserve to be sent off. Now, this won't affect the Premier League because there aren't any playoffs in the Premier League. But it will affect the Championship and the other um, League One and League Two because they have playoffs at the end of their season and often they go to penalty shootouts. Um, how that is going to affect the game, I don't know because if at that, at that stage in a match, if um, one of the uh, backroom team gets sent off, it isn't going to affect what happens on the pitch. But it's basically to try to keep them under control. Mm. Um, another one about losing control is when Eric Cantona assaulted a Crystal Palace fan in, in January 1995. Um, he was banned for, I think, about six months, wasn't he? He had to do mm. community service and things like that. And he actually used his time doing a lot of good, um, going around talking with school, school, school children and get anti-racism and things like that. But um, now, if a player assaults a non-player and the rules define them as an outside agent, while the ball is in play, um, the player will get sent off. But if it occurs in a dead ball situation, as happens to Cantona, then the game can restart as normal. Um and it, it, it's well, they, they, they it's they've become sort of pedantic. Well, in, well, let's let's add also this point. Uh, that is when Eric Cantona went and did the karate kick. That sort of unsuspecting fan was a member of the National Front, whose job it was by his association for him to actually go and go Derek Cantona. So exactly. And you he'd know, been doing it all match. And I don't think it was the first match he'd actually done it. And at the end of the day, um, Eric Cantona is French. Um, and in the heat of the moment at that particular time, he went and, um, sort of did a drop kick on, on this fan, didn't he? Um, but, they're ch- yeah, they're changing that kind of rule. Um, I believe the goalkeeper can can now handle the ball as well. Well, um, in in the penalty rule, no, no, they, uh, they've changed the penalty rules as well, which before meant that um, a goalkeeper had to be on his line, but he had to keep at least one foot on his line, and his other foot could be slightly in front. Um, but they've decided now that the, the, the goalkeeper still has to have one foot on his line, but he can have his other foot slightly behind the line, which he wasn't allowed to do before, which will give him extra momentum as he dives to try and save the uh, spot kick. And, yeah, as far as goalkeepers handling, handling in the ball, the, the, the wording of the rules in the game weren't 100% clear on who could handle the ball in the area without being sent off. So now they've made it clear that nobody except a goalkeeper within their penalty can handle the ball. Now, I thought that was a basic um, rule, but apparently it was never written into the rule book until now. It's well, taken the 100 and how many years to, to actually 
to actually realise that yeah, the, the goalkeeper should be the only person to be able to handle the ball They've in also his written, goal area. I don't know if you've picked this one up. They've also written that the goalkeeper in a, sh- a penalty shootout can go and change into a Superman outfit and have uh, his uh, underpants on, on over the top of his leggings and have a cape flying out. I mean, come on, it's getting bloody stupid, isn't it? It's got to the it's, stage it's, it's, now. It's, it's, it's getting ridiculous, Vince, but uh, those, those are the rules. And the new rules for the new season, as they've been set out. Okay, well, look, uh, I'm looking at the time and I'm looking at the pressure on our podcast with another, say, 12 or 13 minutes to go. Let's go to um, these uh, transfers now. What's taken your uh, eye as far as the window and um, people leaving and going to get paid fortunes, leaving the top clubs to go and play for another top club, etc. What, what have you spotted? Well, at, at the moment, there's lots and lots of rumours, isn't there, Vince? Um, but we know, we know we've got um, Ellen uh, Haaland coming to Manchester City. We know that um, Sadio Mane has gone to Bayern Munich. There aren't all that many that are actually um, signed and sealed at the moment, but there are so many rumours going about. Um, we've got Calvin Phillips, for example, from Leeds, who um, has been, apparently, he's been offered um, contracts by both Manchester United and Manchester City. And Rio Ferdinand, um, who played a couple of seasons for Leeds and then went to Man United, has personally warned him not to do it because Rio Ferdinand is not from Leeds. Um, Calvin Phillips is born and bred in Leeds. He's he's 100% Leeds. But um, Rio Ferdinand got such an amount of hate from the um, Leeds supporters and the people from Leeds in general when he went to Manchester United that he's warned Calvin Phillips, he said, whatever you do, don't go there because you'll lose your family, you'll lose your friends, you'll lose your background. Yeah. Um, good and, good and, advice. And, oh, yeah, well, I, I would say so, especially from, like I say, Rio Ferdinand, he's not actually from that area originally. Um, but he found it, he found it very um, difficult to go back and play in Leeds. But Calvin Phillips is from Leeds. So if he moves to another team, let's hope it isn't one of the Manchester teams. Um, but there's all sorts of rumours going about at the moment. Um, is Ward Prowse going to go to one of the top teams or is he going to stay at Southampton? Um, we, could, we could go on about this all day, really, couldn't we, Vince? We could. But, I, um, look, yeah, I, I've, but... I've found something that I want to quickly go back to, which is basically... Sure. My thoughts on what's going on with this, uh, the, the, the FA um, policies are talking about their objectives, widening lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender representation in football. It's trying to get rid of maybe the sort of total male domination of the sport. That's one thing I think they're doing. Um, but I think at the detriment and to the detriment of the ladies game, uh, because really this is an area like with taking the knee where people should keep out of things like this. If there's something that needs to be talked about, do it in private. And when you've thoroughly, thoroughly got the answers, maybe 
then bring your rules in. But um, when the FA are actually stating on their web- website, combat all forms of homophobic, biphobic, transphobic language and behaviour, whether by spectators, players, coaches or other occupants or participants, that is what it's all about. That's written there. That is plain English for all to understand that is what's going on. I agree there have been times when there's a bit too much of a male sort of um, banter. Sometimes having to go at uh, some of the black lads has been totally unacceptable. We knew that. We all know that it needed to change. But it's going on now. It's becoming boring. So um, I'm sorry um, to actually see the FA will continue to work tirelessly to ensure the game exists for everyone to work towards a more LGBT inclusive game. And then it's got all these different ways they're going to do it. Um, You know, sorry, uh, they're trying to get us all confused about gender issues. And I think... Sebastian Coe's article put it back into the correct perspective, which is, I think, biology uh, really is where you should be looking. Uh, Anyway, Mm. um, enough of that. Um, Right. Anything going on in Spain that we can maybe highlight? Anything that you've picked up? Well, um, we still don't know when um, the Liga will... Well, we know when it will start. Which is, I think it's, a, I think it's the tenth of August. It's a, it's a few days after the Premier League, but they haven't actually set out the fixture list yet. Um, everybody's waiting on that at the moment. Actually, it, it should be within a few days. But um, we know who is going to be playing um, because the three teams have got relegated, got relegated: Granada, Levante, and Deportivo Alaves. The first two teams to get the automatic promotion position positions were Almeria, who haven't been there for a few seasons, but they have been there before, and Real Valladolid, who have been there quite recently. And the third one, the playoff was only uh, played a few nights ago, actually, because it, it took quite a while because it's off-season and things like that. We've got uh, Girona from, um, well, from, the, um, from Catalonia, they're back up in next, um, this season. Apart from that, they when, when they publish the fixture list, we'll be able to speak more about it. But do you know how the Spanish fixture list works, Vince? Um, I don't think I'll know as well as you do. So if you'd like to tell me, that would be great. Right. Now, um, what they do is they play um, the first matches... In order, um, let's say uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, for example, um, and then the second half of the season they play them in reverse order, so it would be Real Madrid Barcelona, right? And that must be really complicated to work out, um, especially because they try not to get teams, Betis and Sevilla, playing who are from the same city, playing at the same time. In Madrid, there's nothing much they can do because there are so many teams from Madrid. But that is how it works. It goes up um, 18, uh, 19 matches, then um, 19 matches the other direction. So the, the Premier League 
I don't know how they work that one out, that the Spanish one is actually quite logical. Yes, I think, and I think it, it is. It, it must be very complicated to work out. Yeah, uh, I mean, because of course we forget that there's all sorts of other issues on, like what's on at this date, what police are needed to go and police this event. Um, mm. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, I came across a big list of players all due to um, switch clubs on July the 1st. Um, obviously, Nunes from Benfica to Liverpool is the big one, 75 million. Um, but Philip Coutinho goes to Aston Villa full-time on 20 million there on July the 1st. Um, then looking down the names that I can quickly relate to, um, well, there's quite a few Spanish ones. There's the um, Fabio Cavallo, the young lad who was going to Liverpool, and uh, they've given no figure for what he's gone for, but he looks like quite a find um, because he's scored a lot of goals for Fulham as they were coming up. Um Obviously, um, Harland, who we've talked about, and Marnie, we've talked about. Yeah. Um, in Spain, they are actually um, they have actually got quite strict rules at the moment. They didn't used to have, but in the present climate, they have got quite strict rules about um, financial transparency, if you like. Um, and Barcelona have got a player called uh, Franco Dijon who I think he's Dutch, and Man United are after him. But um, the Spanish, well, the Real, Real um, FFA, and the Spanish government won't allow Barcelona, at the moment at least, to sell Frank Dijon to Manchester United because they're in so much debt that they should pay off their debts before they start playing the transfer the game and things like that. So, um, yeah, the, 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 it is quite complicated, as most things are in Spain, as you know, Vince, uh, paperwork-wise and things. But, uh, yeah, Franco Dijon um, has, been, has been made an offer from Manchester United. Barcelona want to sell him. At the moment, they aren't allowed to sell him. Um, whether or not he goes, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, yeah, it's, it's, at the moment, it's, it's there aren't any serious matches going on um, till the ladies so, start. Sorry, till the ladies, till the ladies start. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The nearly there. So we're going to keep an eye on this one, aren't we? Oh, definitely. And um, as most of the listeners will realise, if the World Cup, the 2022 World Cup, had been played. In the normal dates that it should have been played in, um, everybody throughout the world, especially throughout the north of Europe and South America and, well, everywhere, um, would have had a summer of football where in your free time you could have a cold beer and watch your team play. Whichever team you support, whichever country you're from, and as you know where I live, there's people from all over the place. I've watched England against Argentina with groups of Argentinians, for example. Um, but... We aren't. We're going to be denied that, and we're going to have to play the World Cup in well, the middle of in the middle of winter. I, um, I spotted, by the way, that you kept your counsel when I gave you a couple of my um, theories. Uh, I do think there's a lot going on that really, uh, you know, um, 
privately when I was talking with Eric. I think Eric could see it. I think there's things going on behind the scenes which are a bit naughty and um, we're being manipulated again. That's what I feel. Indeed. All right, well, look, we've taken it right up to the ultimate, the last minutes. We've not really had much juicy football to talk about, but lots of issues. Once again, Rob, thank you very much for your company and um, we'll say goodbye till next week. Yeah, cheers, Vince, and uh, rest in peace, Eric. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. <laughs>